The message today is really simple. Jesus was killed, and now he lives. That's the message. And when we begin to think about Easter, uh, we need to understand that Easter isn't about a new day that might dawn, that might be a brighter day for us. It's, it's not a message that says, well, you've, gone through, you've been going through some hard times and maybe here's a better day on the horizon. It, it's not about how uh, we can be reformed in our conduct for a, uh, for a few days or weeks or months or even a few years. The message of Easter is that death is conquered by Christ's life. That we who are dead can be made alive. That's the message of Easter. When we look at the Easter story, we're looking at our story. We're looking at how that we are um, desperate for the hope that resurrection provides. We're desperate for a hope. Uh, like the first church and the first followers of Jesus, as they had followed Jesus, um, they came to a place where they saw their teacher, their master, killed on a cross, and they thought everything was over. And their life was crushed, and there was no hope. They didn't go to the graveyard looking for anything but dead people. And maybe that's where you are today, or maybe that's where we are at different times. See, when we come to this place at this time and we experience life in all of its fullness, I mean, all the good and all the bad, all the ups and all the downs, all the twists and all the turns, all the joy and all the sorrow, we experience life. And Many times it just overwhelms us, it crushes us. And we need hope. But friends, hope is not gonna be found because a guy stood up here and gave you a nice little, I'm gonna talk about Hallmark movies. Doesn't that offer a little bit of hope to you? I am gonna talk about Hallmark movies in a minute, but that, that's not enough. The best speech in the world isn't gonna give you the hope that you need when life smacks you in the face. We need something more. That's what the resurrection is all about. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, being women, <clears throat> and certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing uh, the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in, and they did not find the body of Jesus. And it happened. As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they, uh, the angels said to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he, he was still in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words. And so the women returned from the 
tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest of the followers of Jesus. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, the mother of uh, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. The story of the ladies at the tomb, the story of the disciples is the story of our lives and the hope that Jesus brings to us when we're crushed by life, when we're uh, stinging with circumstances that are overwhelming us, when we're looking deep into our own heart and we see nothing but emptiness. Where is the hope? It's found in Jesus. I unapologetically tell you today that I really believe that there was an historical person whose name was Jesus Christ. And Jesus, this Jesus, this historical character named Jesus was born in a place called Bethlehem. It was an unusual birth. I believe that Jesus was born to a woman and that woman had never been with a man. I believe that Jesus who was born in Bethlehem to Mary and to Joseph, that Jesus really is God who became flesh and who lived his life without blemish or fault. That this Jesus who is God become flesh Uh, lived in a way that was miraculous and taught things that were transforming. And this same Jesus who was perfect and sinless in every way, God become flesh, this Jesus was on a rescue mission. He came for one reason, and that was to die on a cross. And he was killed on a cross for sinners like you and me. And he was buried in a tomb owned by a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. And three days later, on a Sunday morning, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus the man, the historical person, who is God become flesh, who died for sinners on a cross, who was killed and really dead, was buried and really buried, was then raised by the supernatural power of God Almighty in the Godhead, so that you and I could have hope and life. So today, I just want us to take a moment and and trace the the, the path of these ladies who came to the tomb and and hear the angels and their um, statements to them and then watch as the disciples respond and and see what that means for us today. Now, the, the ladies, they came to the temple to do what Uh, Jewish ladies did back then, and that was to prepare the body for burial. They couldn't do it on Friday because it was so close to the Saturday Sabbath that the Jewish uh, people uh, revered. And so they they couldn't anoint the body with spices on that Friday that Jesus was killed. So they waited to Sunday morning after the Sabbath, but at the break of dawn, they went to the tomb. Uh, The other gospel accounts tell us that they were worried about the tomb. 
because there was a big stone in front of the tomb and they were worried about how they were going to roll away the stone. But as they walked up and as the light began to dawn there on that Sunday morning, they saw that the stone had been rolled away and they were perplexed and they looked inside the tomb and they were even great, uh, even perplexed, even great, uh, even greater because the body of Jesus was not there. So here they are crushed because the one they had followed had been killed. Now doubly crushed because the dead body was now gone. And they turn around and they see two angels, men in shining garments. That's not a televangelist, that's an angel. Seriously, I told that last night and uh, people didn't laugh. And I said, I wasn't gonna say it today. And I didn't say it at the nine o'clock, but then I thought, hey, let's go for it. It's 1030. <laughs> and me telling that story is me begging for more laughter because it's uncomfortable. Anyway, they were, they, they were, they, they were angels and the women recognized them as angels and they bowed before them and the angels began to talk to them. And in that conversation, I think we can learn something about ourselves this Easter. The first thing we learn about ourselves is we need to stop looking for life where death reigns. We need to stop looking for life where death reigns. There was a movie when I was a teenager that came out, 1982, it's called Poltergeist. I don't know how many of y'all seen it. If you haven't, don't worry about it, it's not that good. Won some Academy Awards, but anyway. uh, Poltergeist, Uh, Drew Barrymore was a little child in that movie. Uh, anyway, so the movie was uh, about all the catastrophic things that will happen if you build your house on a graveyard. That, that's, that's the theme of it. You build your house in a graveyard, bad, 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 scary, bad things are going to happen. When the women went to the tomb, they were looking to do a good thing for the dead body of Jesus, but the angel asked them, the angel asked the women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? They were saying, Jesus said he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus is not here. Why are you looking for someone who's alive in a place where only dead people reign? I think the message for us here today is similar to that. Why are we looking for things to give us life and those things are the very things that create death in us? We're building our lives on a graveyard. We're looking to dead things to make us feel alive. Every person here, every single person here, we have all faced bad circumstances. And bad circumstances are, well, they're bad. But there's a more profound death-dealing blow that each of us face, and that is called sin. Every person, regardless ethnicity or gender, regardless of socioeconomic background, regardless of geopolitical lines drawn, regardless of your background, your history, your heritage, no matter who you are, you and I, we are all sinners. And that sin has killed us. You see, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says that sin kills us from the inside 
out. You might wonder what sin is. Sin is anything that you do that God said don't do. Something as simple as a lie, no matter how small or minuscule we might think that little lie might be, it is a sin against God. That sin separates us from a holy God. Sin kills us from the inside out. Romans chapter 5 tells us that where sin is, death reigns. Where sin is, death reigns. And yet we still go along playing with sin like a sport, thinking that somehow if I chase down this one other sin, I'm going to feel better about myself, or I'm going to escape the shame of my yesterday, or I'm going to take hold of something better. I'm going to find life. If I keep playing with sin, I'm going to be okay. But you won't. Last week, I read a story of a gentleman in Maryland who owned 124 snakes, kept them in his house. First of all, crazy. (laughs) But that's what he did, and that was his game. That was his fun time. I'm going to have all these snakes in my house. And he had cobras, and he had rattlesnakes, and he had black mambas, and he had pythons. And surprise, surprise, last week, the EMS people found this man, and he was dead. Guess what killed this man? You can find it in USA Today. Go look it up. The dude was playing with snakes, thinking that that was going to make him happy, and it ended up killing him. And we play with sin, thinking it's going to give us life, but it's killed us already. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us clearly that we are dead in our sin and our trespass. And we're dead. And we're destined for death eternally. And we can't fix that. We are in trouble. We're looking for hope because we're distanced from hope, because we're distanced from God. The Bible's really clear. When we don't know God, we don't know hope. And if we have sinned, then we don't know God. We might know about God the way the demons know about God. But we don't know him. We don't have a relationship with him. And that has killed us. And so many people gather with us online or in person And we think that because I'm a religious cat daddy and I'm sitting in a seat on an Easter Sunday or any Sunday, that somehow my religious ritual is going to make me fit for God's family. And the Bible says it's not. There's no way. Hey, I've tried. I'm a Baptist preacher. I am the son of a Baptist preacher. And I have been religious my whole life. And there is not one scintilla of my religion that can ever bring life to my sin-sick soul. I'm dead on the inside. And we all are looking for hope. But the question is, Why would we keep on searching for life in places where death reigns? When the angels said, 
why are you seeking the living among the dead? They were talking about Jesus, but they were also talking about the life that he offers. You know, we are in trouble. We are. And many of us, especially of certain generations, we look on our world today just like older generations did of every other younger generation said, oh my goodness, the world is in trouble. And it is. And it has been. And it will be. We look at our world and we think, oh my goodness, everything's bad. But let's just not look at the world. Let's just look at ourselves today. Right here. The question that we need to ask is, am I looking for life where death reigns? The Bible tells us, Romans chapter 5, that sin reigns, and because sin reigns, death reigns, but Jesus came to fix all that. And that's where we get to the hope of Easter. You see, the hope of Easter isn't that we somehow get a management on our own morality and we can do better. The message of Easter isn't somehow that if I just regulate my life according to certain rules that I'm going to be happy. No, the message of Easter is that we are hopeless because we are dead. But Jesus came to fix our problem. Second thing we learn today at Easter is that Jesus has conquered death so that we might live. That, 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 that's Easter. And Jesus conquered death so that we might live. Again, you look at what the angels said um, in verse 6. It said, do you remember what Jesus said to you while he was still in Galilee? That the Son of Man must uh, be delivered over into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And the women heard that and they remembered They remembered, yes, Jesus talked about being raised from the dead. He's not here because he's alive. He has conquered death. Oh, my goodness. And they ran back to the disciples, and they told the disciples, but the disciples couldn't wrap their hearts or their heads around it. You look in verse, I think, verse uh, somewhere in there, it says that that they heard what what the women said, and they saw that it was just an idle tale or a fable. They they looked at it like an idle tale or a fable. You know what an idle tale is? An idle tale is a hint of hope that is just make-believe. An idle tale is every Hallmark movie you've ever watched. And we need Hallmark. Look, people ask me why I watch Hallmark. Because it's predictable and it is okay. There's no plot twist. (laughs) I know what's going to happen at the end. I love it. I watch them. I've got three stations on my television that I can watch different Hallmark movies. And if I get in the middle of one, I say, well, I don't really like this one because the character is um, a farmer rather than a banker. And... um, (laughs) And, 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 and the setting is uh, in uh, uh, the West Coast rather than the East Coast. So I'll just slip to the next one. And so there it is. There's the banker on the, West, on the East Coast. And, but the plot is still the same. You have the hero or the heroine. And they go through their life. They have to make a journey to a country town of some rural uh, destination. <laughs> 
And then there's some bad thing that happens, whether it's a foreclosure on the farm. Those of you who are laughing, you've actually watched as many as I have. There's a foreclosure on the farm or um, uh, something like that and, and some bad things about that. Or the big companies coming and taking over the small town uh, shops and, and going to tear them all down and build a, a, a complex or something like that. So, so, but, but then before the end of the movie, you don't have to be worried. You don't get anxious. You know that something's going to swoop in and solve the problem. It's something's going to, something's going to happen and, and whoo, the farm's not foreclosed on. The big company gets a, gets a conscience and decides they're going to help the shops rather than take them over and demolish them. It's, it's amazing. It's a miracle. It's Hallmark. I love Hallmark. Edie and I will watch them and Edie doesn't love them as much as I do. Well, Edie's my wife, if you didn't know. By the way, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. She was at the earlier service. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're lost. But that has nothing to do with the message. I just thought I'd get that in today. In case this is your first time to meet me, I'm, I'm Eric. I'm a, gran- I'm a grandfather, and I, my granddaughter's name is Nora, and she turns two next week. Anyway, um, thank you very much. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, so, so uh, Edie and I will watch uh, Hallmark and, and uh, every now and then we get, we get to the point where we make up the plot at the end. So we'll say, plot twist, the girl gets murdered. <laughs> now that would make a Hallmark revolution, right? So anyway, uh, when the disciples heard these ladies talking, you know what they, they thought Hallmark movie. This is make-believe. This isn't real. How could this happen? Dead people don't come to life again. I wonder how many of us are looking at our lives and the landscape of our lives and, and, and we look and we say, oh my goodness, do you really believe Jesus who was killed came back to life? Yes. And it's changed everything for me. And Jesus conquers death so that we might live. You see, the biggest problem we have is our sin. And sin, uh, we can't fix that, but Jesus came to our rescue. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took our sin so that we might be fit for God's family. So we might be forgiven. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this way. It says, says, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, we are dead in our sin and our trespass in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air who now works among the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in lust of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4, but God... But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you've been saved. And he's raised us up together in Christ Jesus and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the fullness of the dispensation of time, we might be the display display case of God's great praise 
to the glory of his grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, so that we are now his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, there is hope today. But it's not hope in walking around tombstones of lifeless ideologies or thoughts or perspectives or even our own morality. There's hope today, and it's found only in the person of Jesus who lived, who died, and who was raised again. He is risen just as he said he would be. If we want to experience life, we go to the one who conquered death. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that, that death has no sting any longer, and hell has no victory. Because Jesus has given that victory to us through his resurrection from the dead. I wonder how many of us are living in that hope. Have you experienced the life that God provides through faith in Jesus Christ? Here's the thing. You know, Peter at the end of this story, Peter is, is, is there and, and all the other disciples, man, they're they, they don't believe it. They, it it's, just, it's just a fable. It's a Hallmark movie. Verse 11, but Peter, but Peter. See, Peter was shattered. He was shattered. In his soul, he was shattered. He was beaten up. He was overwhelmed. He was shattered. He was crushed. And he needed hope. Have you ever been in that place in your life where you just needed somebody to give you a hint of hope? I mean, just, just a little hope. You didn't need a lot, just a little hope. Just a hint of hope. And that's, that's where Peter was. A hint of hope is when somebody comes along and you've got this problem and they say, I've, 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 I've got the solution for you. And regardless of their uh, ability to provide a solution, you're like, man, I need that. That's what happens on commercials every single day. You know, commercials are built on the premise that you've got a problem, they've got a solution, and if you buy their product, you get that solution. Not only am I a grandfather, I have a granddaughter, her name is Nora. Not only am I a grandfather, but I'm also a fisherman. I love to fish. Again, if you haven't been with us before, I'm, I'm, I'm Eric and I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. And because I love to fish, my social media knows that I love to fish. However they do that, they say it's algorithms, but somehow they're able to read my mind and know that I love to fish. And so on my little timeline, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or wherever it is, on my timeline will pop up these little uh, advertisements, these little stories about fishing, especially from people that are selling their product. And so I'll be scrolling through Instagram, and here's this wonderful uh, scenery of a guy fishing. And I think, well, that's not a friend of mine, but what, are the, what is this all about? And I look, and, and here is a guy with a special rod and reel, and he's casting in a pristine mountain stream, and he lays the fly out there, and all of a sudden, a big brown trout eats that fly, and it jumps, and it flops, and he nets it, and he brings it in. And it, th this little 40-second vignette closes with the picture of that rod and reel. Not the fish, 
Not the fisherman, not the fly, not the line, but the rod and reel. And what they're trying to tell you is, you want to catch a big trout like this guy caught, you need this rod and reel. I can tell you with absolute 100% certainty, that's a lie. (laughs) But that's what they're selling. I've got a problem. I need to catch a big trout. What's the solution? I've I've got the hint of hope for you, this special rod and reel. But friends, we're looking for life, not a fish. We're looking for life, not just a little fun. We're looking for life, and the only way we can find life is through Jesus Christ. No vitamin can give it. No relationship this side of heaven can give it. We need Jesus. And so when Peter is standing there and he's hearing this hint of hope, he begins to race to see, could this be true? And he peers into the cave and he sees the linen cloths there and other gospels tell us they were folded neatly. And he sees those linen cloths there and and he begins to think maybe, just maybe, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. And he doesn't believe fully until a a, a few hours later and maybe even a day later. But then the full-blown faith begins to awaken in his soul and it changes his life. So much so that he invested the rest of his days on the promise that a Savior who was killed was raised from the dead. He lived all his days and died a horrible death on the premise that Jesus was raised from the dead and it changed everything for him. So much so that he would write in in, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 decades later, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Today, friends, listen, that's the kind of life I want to live with absolute confidence in my today and in my tomorrow. But the only way I can get there, the only way we can get there is when we find life through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You got to find life through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible tells us very clearly that God made us in a very particular way. Each one of us. He made us with a capacity to have a relationship with him. You were made with this uh, internal ability to long for God and to know him. That's the story of of the first uh, uh, human beings created in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1 and 2. This man and this woman were created, and the picture is they walked with God in the cool of the evening. They lived in intimacy with God, and they were fulfilled. And God made us, he designed us to be part of his family and to live in fellowship with him, but we have a problem. And that problem is sin, and sin leads to a shattered life and a broken soul and a deadness that we cannot escape. And each one of us, every single one of us, have this same problem. And there's no amount of religion that's going to get you out of that problem. There's no promise from any preacher that's going to, uh, as he pontificates about his own theological and philosophical positions, that's not going to get you out of the problem. There's no amount of 
success in the business world. There's no amount of education in the academic world. There's no amount of fun in the pleasure world. There is nothing that can get you out of that problem called sin except Jesus. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to to pay the penalty that your sin and mine demanded and deserved. And Jesus went to a cross, delivered into the hands of evil men, and was crucified for your sin and mine. He took your place on the chopping block of sin. He died for you and for your sin and mine. And he was raised from the dead. Three days later, he was raised from the dead so that through his death we might be forgiven, through his resurrection we might find new life. So that we who are dead in our sin might be made alive in Christ Jesus. See, the question you ought to ask yourself today is not, was that a neat little song we sang or was that a neat little sermon the preacher preached or do I, maybe I need to start watching Hallmark. See, the question we need to ask is, have I found life through faith in Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross for my sin and his resurrection from the dead? Have I found new life? Maybe you're here today and you look in in the depths of your soul. You just take a moment and and push away all distractions. Just say, have I truly experienced the life that Jesus promised to deliver? Do I live in relationship with God? Not just know about God like the demons know about God. Do I live in a relationship with God? Has there been a time in your life where you know for certain that you have received this gift that Jesus died and was raised from the dead to offer. See, the Bible paints the picture very clearly. It says that if you want to find life, it's not about being a church person. It's not about showing up and doing religious things. It's not about your philosophy. It's not about your education. It's not about your success. It's about one thing. You must repent and believe. You have to turn away. Turn away from all these other things that you've been counting on to give you life. You've got to turn away from all the sin that you've been pursuing and playing with. You've got to turn away from, from even yourself. You've got to turn away. That's repent. And you've got to turn toward Jesus, trusting him. Believing that he died for your sin on a cross and that he was raised from the dead to give you new life. And today, if that is your testimony, today, if that is your declaration, that I desperately desire to have this life that Jesus offers. I desperately desire to be forgiven forever for my sin. I desperately desire to have this emptiness in my soul removed and 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 filled with life. That's my desire. Then God says to you, today, you can have it if you will repent and believe on Jesus.
You might say, how do I do that? It's not hard. It's just, it's not complex. You just have to tell God, I know that I have sinned and that my sin has separated me from God. I believe that Jesus is the only solution to my sin problem, that he died for my sin on a cross and he was raised from the dead to give me new life. I turn from my sin. I turn to Jesus. I repent and I believe this good news that he has offered. I believe that Jesus is the only way I can have life. And so I give my life to him. That's how it happens. And Romans 10 says that if we uh, confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, then we can be rescued. If we call out to him in the name of Jesus and all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done, then we can be rescued. So the question is, do you want to be rescued today? I know that there are many in the room today, most probably, that enter into have already entered into that relationship with God. And, 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 and so when we sang a few moments ago that um, when Jesus called our name, we ran out of that grave, you, you could hear the excitement in our voices. The reason we sang it with such fervor is because it's happened to us. I mean, my life has been changed. I'm no longer under the shame and the penalty of my own sin. Jesus has covered it with his own grace, with his own sacrifice. I'm, I, wa- I was dead. I was dead in my sin, but now I am alive in Christ Jesus, all because of God's grace. So if that's your testimony, man, I join you. We're going to celebrate. But if that is not, if that's not your experience, then today I beg you to choose Christ. And, and, and just talk to God and just say, God, I'm, I, I want to give you all that I am. You say a prayer, goes something like this. Oh God, I, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin has separated me from you. And I've tried to fix that problem, but it, I've come up short. I believe Jesus is your son, that you sent him to die on a cross in my place for my sin. And God, I believe that, that, that he died for me so that my sin might be forgiven forever. And and God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead so that when I give him my life, he gives me life in return. When I give him all that I am, he gives me a new life. So God, I ask you to rescue me through Jesus Christ right now. And if you pray that prayer and it's the desire of your heart and the yearning of your soul and the Spirit of God is pushing you toward Jesus as he does, the Bible says that you are rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus. If that's who you are today, if that's a prayer that you prayed today or uh, you have more questions about it, I want to encourage you. If you're in the room at the end of this worship gathering, you go to the next step station. And you just say, I prayed that prayer, or I have questions about what Eric was talking about. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you just want to text Jesus to the number on the screen, or you can email me at pastor at firstnorfolk.org and just say, 
I have questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I want life, and I've been looking in uh, places where death reigns. I, I need that to stop. I want to get off the merry-go-round of misery, and I want to find life through faith in Christ. We want to help you. We want to, we want to help you take that next step as a follower of Jesus and experience the fullness of life that God has given you through Christ. And the other part of this is for those who are followers of Jesus. Can I tell you that you've been rescued? So live in that rescue. Live in the freedom that he has given you. Live in the victory that he has provided for you. You see, the resurrection is the high note of the song of our salvation. Resurrection is that high note, that crescendo that celebrates all that God has purposed in Christ and all that he has purposed for me. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. Praise God. Praise Jesus. He has given us hope. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord God in heaven, as we have gathered here for your glory's sake and in your name, I pray that you would speak clearly to those who've gathered. And Father, for every person who is a follower of Jesus, who's been transformed by your grace through faith in Christ, I pray that this moment might mark a celebration a resounding song of victory in their soul as they declare with absolute certainty that Jesus has rescued us. And Father, for any person in this room who is yet to become a follower of Jesus, that by the weight of your hand, you are calling them and drawing them to, to say yes to Jesus, to put their faith and trust in Jesus and to turn from their sin. I pray, O oh God, that right now you would give them the courage and the faith that they need to say yes to your call. Give them the courage to email uh, or text or uh, go to the Next Step station so that we can be a, a source and a resource for them. Now, Father, I pray that you'd be glorified as we, uh, as we come to the end of this celebration service. May you be glorified in how you've changed lives and how you're changing lives how you've rescued us, and how you are still rescuing us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.